I want to welcome all of you here. My name is Quinton Unger. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And uh, today we have the joy of looking at the topic of joy. Um, as was read in the Advent reading, uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 10, the angels are bringing this message of hope and of joy. And this is what they say. They say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And I don't know where you are at today. If you are coming here with a heart filled with joy or if it's a heart full of despair, I want today for us to take our eyes and fix them on Christ. Christ is the reason for Christmas and as we go into the Christmas season, as we fix our eyes on Christ, he is their source of our joy and it is through him that we experience joy. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Christmas season. We thank you for sending your only son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the joy that comes from knowing you. And Father, I pray that today you will fill us with your spirit, with your truth, and that we will be able to process, we will be able to worship you because of what you are doing in us. And I pray for each one that has come with, um, with a heart that is not filled with joy this morning. Maybe it's full of despair, maybe it's full of, of pain, or maybe uh, just a despondent heart. I pray that you will have something for all of us this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage of scripture I've chosen uh, to, to speak from today is not a typical Christmas passage of scripture. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along on the YouVersion uh, Bible in your, uh, on your phone, uh, we'll be looking at Psalm 16 today. So we're going to go through the whole uh, psalm and we're going to be looking today at what is joy and if we have joy, what does joy do in us? So what is joy? We find the definition of joy in verse 9. I like what John Piper says, and he kind of has a way of summarizing some of these things. And he says, Christmas joy is the good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the, wor in the, in the word and in the world. So from the verse 9 here, the first thing that we see, what is joy? Joy is an emotion of the heart. He says, therefore, my heart is glad. So what, do, what does he mean that the heart is glad? Or what do I mean when I say that joy is an emotion of the heart? There's a difference between being emotion and being a thought. Um, so when I mean it's emotion of the heart, I do not mean that it's just some cerebral exercise. So when we think of joy, we don't see something and we're like, we think to ourselves, um, so due to the favorable uh, external and uh, internal circumstances in my life and the favorable uh, things in my life, I think it would be very appropriate for me to have positive feelings. How many of you approach joy that way? Anyone? Okay, that's not joy, right? Joy isn't something that we think up. It's something that wells up in us. It's an emotion. It's something that we feel. It's something that we experience. And it's not just this, uh, you know, casual emotion that we, we come up with. It's, a, it's an, a, an emotion of the heart. It's a deep-seated emotion experience of the heart. 
Furthermore, there is a difference between joy and happiness. So before we go any further, let's kind of define our terms. What's the difference between joy and happiness? I think the biggest difference is where it comes from. The source of happiness is external circumstances. The source of joy is internal condition of the heart. So for me to say it a different way, happiness comes from what is happening around us. So for example, if your spouse or your friend brings you the right kind of uh, coffee from McDonald's and they don't, he doesn't mess up, mess up your order, you're happy because of what is happening to you. But joy is something entirely different. Based on how your heart is connected with others and how you're feeling or what you're experiencing and how your heart, how your, your very soul is experiencing life, based on the condition of your soul and your heart, you're able to feel or not feel joy. Joy is an emotion of the heart. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you. If your heart is joyful, you can be filled with joy even though happiness or the happening around you is unfavorable. I think one of the big things that we miss and we mix up when we talk about joy, we talk about happiness, is I think we, we kind of mix up the two very often. We fill our lives with entertainment. And we have, many of us, we carry a life, we ca carry a heart of pain. And we carry a heart of doubts and, and all kinds of things. And we go places for them to make us laugh for a time or to entertain us. And for a split moment, we forget about the problems in our lives. That is different than joy. That is happiness. That's momentary happiness, taking what is on the outside and hoping that it changes what is on the inside. With this, we need to ask ourselves the question, can we experience joy? So if joy is an emotion of the heart, it's not just an, a, uh, an overall emotion that we feel, or it's a psychological emotion, or if it's not just merely a, a cerebral exercise, so to speak, the question becomes, is our heart in the right place so that we can experience joy? In my experience, there are two things that need to happen in us that we are able to experience this emotion of the heart. The first one is we need to be spiritually mature enough to experience joy. So what do I mean with this? As we will see later, joy is experienced when we enjoy and delight in our relationship with Christ. And if we are not spiritually mature enough to be able to connect with Christ, we are in a sense cutting ourselves off from the source of joy that is available to us. So we need to be mature spiritually. So what do I mean with mature spiritually or spiritual maturity? It means that we develop the spiritual disciplines, and Pastor Ike talked about this a few Sundays ago. We develop these Disciplines in our lives where we develop our relationship with Christ. We're able to talk to him as somebody that is actually with us. A personal God. We're able to hear from him. Our heart is inclined in such a way that we are able to sense his leading. That is all part of being spiritually mature. And if we're not spiritually mature, our hearts won't be able to 
um, accept or to sense when God is wanting to work in our hearts so that we can experience joy. Another thing that we need to have in our lives is emotional maturity. This is important because in order for us to have um, the ability to feel this hard emotion called joy, we need to be emotionally mature enough to have feelings at all. And I think I'd be talking mostly to us men here. Um, you know, we, we kind of know that it's not true, but I think some of us have this idea that real men don't cry, right? You know, we have this view of men where, you know, we only shave twice a week uh, because really scruffy, like, shadows are really, really tough. And then uh, the only time we cry is when the lines lose, which is often now. Um, but we, we don't have that many emotions, right? And we don't get too excited about stuff. We don't get too sad about stuff. And we think this is an area of strength. But in order for us to be able to experience this emotion of the heart, we need to be people that are able to feel. And if you haven't cried in a while, if you haven't sensed this overwhelming feeling of sorrow or of joy for a while, it could be that you've shut off your emotions. And we need to be mature emotionally that we are able to feel and experience the emotion of joy. Furthermore, when we have a victim mentality, we have a hard time finding joy. And this is all part of being emotionally mature. A person that has what we call a victim mentality is they're always looking, about, looking around them and, and blaming external circumstances for the reason why their life is a certain way. And in no way am I downplaying some of the experiences many of us have gone through. But if we're always looking to other things and we're saying, if only my dad or my mom had not talked to me this way when I was a kid, I would be able to do this. Or if only things had turned out differently in my marriage, or if only, you know, we come up with all of these different things. If only other people hadn't done this to me, then I wouldn't be like this. And the thing is, that keeps us back from experiencing joy because we're, our eyes are on what is external rather than where God wants to place the, the joy in our hearts, which is internal. Secondly, from verse 9, we see that joy is an expression of the heart. So he says, my tongue rejoices. Here's the thing about our tongue or our mouth or what we say in our heart. I don't think that there is in, there is an area of our body that is more closely connected than our tongue and our heart. And I'm not talking physically, like if you're in like med school, don't correct me. What I'm trying to say is, what is in our hearts will come out through our tongue. It's guaranteed. The two are very closely connected. And some of us, uh, we, we grow in maturity and we're able to filter it better but what is in your heart will eventually come out through your tongue. So one of the things that I really enjoy is being around people. They're just like, they're the joy energizer bunny. You know the people I'm talking about, right? Like you can't even get them grumpy, you know? They're, they're always 
smiling. And they're always coming up with positive things to say. And I'm not talking about the people that are, you know, the comedians, the class clowns that really are, are not doing so well but cover it up. I'm talking about the people with this genuine energizer bunny type of joy in their hearts. And those of us that are maybe a little more cerebral and, and even keel, we're like, wipe that smile off your face. I'm getting uncomfortable around you. And there's this sense that what is in the heart will come out. And so if you are taking stock of how you're talking and what you're saying and you're finding that your words are kind of bitter and your words are negative, it's because of what is in your heart. And if you're finding you have an optimistic, hopeful outlook on life, it's because your heart is full of joy. Your heart is full of the positive heart emotion called joy. So joy cannot be contained. It just kind of leaps out. And joy has this way of coming out even if you aren't even wanting it or making it come out. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I talk about uh, my wife often because she's very precious to me. One of the things I often tease my wife about is the time that we got engaged. And the way that she displayed her joy for our engagement to the world. I don't think she slept at all that night. She was so overjoyed that we were going to get married. And then the next day, she drove around the small town of La Crete displaying her new ring. And no one could wipe the smile off her face. She was waving like this, right? What was in the heart was coming out. No one is going to keep that joy from being expressed. And many of you have had times in your life, there's, there's this joy in your heart. It just can't help but coming out. And if that's not happening in your life, where there's not a joy that wants to come out, Christmas is a wonderful time for us to till the ground of our hearts, so to speak, so that God can implant his joy into us. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So this is, this is a command from God to rejoice. What is in our heart, that heart emotion, for it to come out? And this happens primarily through celebrations. You know, celebration is giving our hearts room to express themselves. So, for example, we have birthday parties. And some of us party better than others. Sometimes some of our parties kind of look like funeral after, you know, they just, we don't know how to celebrate well. And some of us celebrate really well. But celebrations, coming together, birthday parties, anniversaries, 50th anniversary we had here, those are um, times we set aside, in a sense, for joy to have room to express itself. So when we have a birthday party for someone, we set time aside so that we can express the joy we have for having that person in our life. We give joy room to express itself. And the third characteristic of joy is that joy is an anchor for our soul. It says that my body will rest secure. And this is how peace and joy are connected. Advent, uh, in the Advent calendar, very often, joy will come after peace. And joy is like peace. It is an anchor for our soul. It is not something that flips back and forth. 
real joy, if it's placed in our heart by Christ, is going to be a stabilizing emotion in our lives. And no matter what happens to us outside of our hearts, the life that is going on around us, what's happening at work, what's happening in family, if Christ has worked in us, that joy becomes an anchor for our souls. The Christian joy is not based on circumstances at all. It says that we're going to rejoice, we're going to have joy regardless of our suffering. Listen to what James chapter 1 verses 2 to 3 says. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And we like read this and we're like, James, are you serious? Consider it joy? And we would think, okay, uh, he's going to come up with something really positive. Consider it all joy when you have birthday parties, you know, you have wonderful gifts at Christmas. No, he says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why are we con to consider it joy? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So there's something about joy that is different than what's going on around us. It's the work of God in us. And if we can see the work of God in our hearts, we have reason to be joyful. The world believes that happiness, joy, and joy comes when all of our circumstances line up. When everything aligns and everything is positive, then we have, you know, then we have a reason to be happy. But the Christian view, the biblical view of joy is completely different. The biblical view of joy is when our hearts align with the heart of Christ, we will experience joy. And out of that joy overflows our experience of celebration and happiness. Going back to uh, Psalms 16, we continue and we see a few other um, teachings about what joy does for us. He continues in verse 4 and he says, Joy is destroyed by chasing after other gods. And so we, we read that uh, in verse 4. It says, those who run after gods will suffer more and more. So what does running after gods have to do with Christmas and what does it have to do with joy? You will see in most of your translations that gods is translated with a small g. And so he's referring to someone other than the God of the Bible, the God that we serve, the God that we worship. God is anyone or anything that we give honor and worship to that is other than God of the Bible or the God of Abraham, the God of Christ. And so joy is destroyed when we part from the only source of joy for the Christ follower. I like what Rabbi Zacharias says. He says, I am absolutely convinced that meaningless does not come from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being weary of pleasure. That, and that is why we find ourselves emptied of meaning with our pantries still full. So what Rabbi Zacharias is pointing out, he's saying that we pursue pleasure in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of areas, apart from how God has designed us to find pleasure and joy in Christ, and it always kind of comes up empty. It comes up short. See, the pursuit of joy in anything other than Christ 
will ultimately leave us feeling half full or half empty, and we will be partially disappointed. I'm not saying that we can't find some level of joy in the life that we have here, in the ways that we view the, the world, but we have been created to find that ultimate joy, that unshakable joy in Christ. If we seek happiness, or by extension joy, in anything other than Christ, we set ourselves up for failure. If you're trying to find joy from your spouse, well, those of you that have been married for a while, you know that your spouses are royal mess-ups, just like you are, right? They're just imperfect people. And if we kind of tie our joy, and it's contingent on how our spouse treats us, we're going to be miserable, miserable people. Even if you are married to the best spouse in the world, and I'm sure all of you are, you will never find complete happiness and joy in your spouse. God has not created them to be that for you. And may I take this a step further? This church was not created to be your only source of joy either. Your spiritual joy should never be dependent on the church or how other Christians treat you or how well or how poorly leadership interacts with you. Your joy is to come from Christ. Your joy is not to be coming from external circumstances or external factors or external people. Christ has placed inside of us who follow Christ, the Holy Spirit, and he is to be the final source of joy. So I don't know, uh, as we kind of look over our hearts, where our allegiances are set. And I, I know many of us maybe have allegiances or expe expectations of others or or of the church that maybe do not line up with where Christ is to be in our lives. Another thing that I have learned in my life is that sin steals joy. I think that the most miserable people in the world, and hear me out, are Christians who try to live for the world and live for Christ. They're the most miserable people. They are the people that are full of bitterness and hate. They are full of the people that are, they are the people that are full of meaninglessness and depression. Because what happens in our lives if we are Christians that are not fully devoted to following Christ, what happens is we rob ourselves of experience the full pleasure of sin because we still have the Holy Spirit convicting us. So we're not fully allowed to enjoy the pleasures of sin. And in the same way, we're not allowed to or able to experience the full delight that comes in knowing Christ intimately because we have a barrier between us and Christ. And so sin will rob us of joy. And I want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you more over. Find a way to give your heart fully to Christ, fully devoted follower of Christ. When we become sidetracked by those other things, we steal ourselves the joy of finding what we have in Christ. And this brings us to the source, ultimately, of this heart emotion. Joy delights in what we have in Christ. We were talking this week here at the office about how we are seeing that 
Christ is making a comeback in Christmas. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. You know, as a culture, we've kind of been trying to get rid of Christ. And, you know, I think almost it would be like, you know, we've almost put the Grinch in Christmas by taking Christ out. Christ is the source of joy in Christmas. Joy delights in what we have in Christ. So as David goes on, he says in verse 2, that we delight in a personal God. You are my Lord, he says. And then he continues, he says, I, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Apart from God, we have no good thing. But he starts off, he says, you are my Lord. See, Christ is not only for the person sitting beside you. Christ is not only for your spouse or your, or your children or your parents. Christ is for you. You, like David, can say, that is my God. That is my Christ. This is my Christmas because I'm worshiping my Christ. Christ did not only come for the world, he came for you. And in this Christmas season, don't lose out on being able to celebrate Christmas personally. Not as just as a collective, but like David, you're able to say, Christ is my God. He's my Lord. God is the source of joy. He says, apart from you, I have no good thing. James chapter 1, verses 17 continues this thought. And James says this, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So the good things you have in your life, the ways that your life, all, even the, the negative things in your life, they work together for good. Those are all in your life because of what God is doing in you. All good things come from Christ. Furthermore, the heart emotion of joy comes from God. John chapter 15 verses 10 to 12 says this. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So joy comes from God. He says, it's not that we come up with joy. He says that my joy, Christ's joy, the joy that comes from knowing Christ is placed in us. And when that joy is placed in us, our joy becomes complete. So what Jesus is saying here is that, yes, you are finding joy in the things that you're experiencing in life. There is a level of joy if, uh, of we, we can experience in this world. But the way for our joy to be complete, fulfilled, is to receive the joy of Christ. Furthermore, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So the Bible teaches us that when we give our lives to Christ, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity of God, comes and lives on the inside of us. And one of the fruits, one of the outworkings of that indwelling is that we are filled with joy. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 says that for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And he continues on. 
But one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So it is the Spirit working in us to align our heart with the heart of God. He continues in, uh, in Psalm 16. He says that uh, God is enough for him. He says, Lord, you alone are my portion. Christ is to be enough for us. Is Christ enough for you to experience joy? I think it's Tim Keller that says that we often don't know that Christ is all we need until Christ is all we have. And some of you have been in that time when everything around you seems to be taken away and all you have left is Christ. And you find this unshakable joy, this unshakable peace because of what you have in Christ. David is saying here, God is my portion. He's my enough. He's enough. The, the portion, and if we could say, if uh, a portion is uh, kind of like an illustration of a pie, and it gets cut up, in a sense we could say the part of the experience of God that God has given us is to be enough. The slice of pie you have give, been given is enough. And Christ is to be enough for us. He continues in verse 11, he says that he delights in God's presence. He says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Those quiet times with Christ, those times when you set aside to listen to what God has to say to us through the Bible, those times in prayer and those times of listening, do you delight in that time? Does it bring joy to you? Does it bring peace to you? We delight in our salvation. Psalm, 15, or Psalm 51 verses 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We are to have this inner joy of what God has done in us. The way that he saved us, the stuff he saved us from. We, like David, should be praying, restore to me the joy of your salvation. For those of you that have been Christ followers for some time, there are times when we become dry in our faith, in our experience of God. There are times when we just almost become apathetic. And we think back to that time when we accepted Christ for the first time. And we were that kid with the smile on his face that could not be wiped off. We had that joy in our hearts. And that joy is available to us again. And then in verse 10, there is a prophecy of Christ. There's a prophecy meaning there was a foreshadow of something Christ would do many hundreds of years later. He says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. So there is a joy that is tied up in the resurrection of Christ. We don't have time to kind of go through all the theological implications of that. But the fact that Christ has risen from the dead, we serve a living God, a living source of hope. And Christ has modeled walking in joy for us. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, 
he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy set before Christ? The joy that came from knowing he would reconcile mankind to himself through his death and resurrection. That was an unshakable joy that Christ had. And because of that joy, he was able to endure the cross. Going further in verse 8, it says that in Christ, joy is unshakable. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Regardless of what is going on in our lives, if we have Christ, we do not need to be shaken. The last thing that happens in us, and we see this in verse 7, is that joy leads to worship. This is the main point of Christmas. Christmas is not about the gifts we receive, although that is special and is important. Christmas is about worship. And joy leads to worship. He says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. So in conclusion, I want to kind of uh, use a little bit of a, a story that will help us to see how joy needs to be part of our life. The story is told about um, many years ago, there's when uh, laundromats were still a major thing. And two women were at the laundromat and they were mending their husband's pants. So it's a little while ago. Um, and they're mending pants and the, the first wife leans over to the other wife and says, you know, I am just so sick and tired of this Christmas season. I'm so sick and tired of my husband. All he ever does is come home and he complains about his work and he complains about the pastor, he complains about the church, he complains about the Christmas music and he's always complaining. Our house is a place of despair. There's no joy in our house. The second wife leans over and says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. My house, my husband is always full of joy. My husband can't stop singing. My husband can't stop wanting to go to church. And though, although he is like Pastor Quentin that doesn't like Christmas music, he puts up with it. Well, I don't mind it. He is a man full of joy. And as it got really quiet, the first wife turned her pants over and they saw where the wives are working on the pants. The first wife, whose husband was negative all the time, was working on the seat of the pants. And the wife, who was working on her husband, who was full of joy, was working on the knees of the pants. And I think this is an illustration for us how we develop joy in our lives. You see, if we're people who just sit around and we don't get involved and we sit around and we criticize and we see all the negative things in our lives and we don't allow, and we allow the things that are around us, that we are seeing around us to affect how we see the world, we are not going to be people of joy. But if we are like the second person who gets on their knees and works and is involved and is a person of prayer and personal relationship with Christ, we open up our hearts to become people of joy. We become people that till the soil of our hearts that allows Christ to do his work of joy in us. Let's close in a word of prayer. 
God in heaven, I thank you for this season of joy. I thank you for what you are doing in us. And I pray that uh, you will show us how we, your people, can um, take our eyes off of what is happening around us and put our eyes on you. We thank you for the joy of the salvation um, of what you have done in us. Help this season of Christmas to be one of joy. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.